A few months ago, a young woman uh, came to Stone Village in need of two birth certificate vouchers for her young children. Unfortunately, her children were born in another state, and we only provide vouchers for Ohio birth certificates. So I couldn't help her. As she was leaving the church, standing by the front door, and I was standing here near the altar table, she turned to me and she said, you are very rude. I was aghast. If I had had pearls on, I would have pulled them off my neck. (laughs) And I was so stunned by her statement that I actually did turn and look behind me and there was just the wall. I was certain she was talking to someone else. But no, she was talking to me. And I said, I'm sorry. How was I rude to you? And she said, you're just cold. You're just cold. You didn't even try to help me. And I apologized to her and told her I I couldn't help her. I can't help you. We only provide birth certificate vouchers for the state of Ohio. Your children were born out of state. My ability to help in this moment is limited. She left, and I spent the next few days, maybe a couple months, (laughs) with her words as my companion. You're very rude. You're very rude. At first, I tried to disregard her statement as a product of, of her own frustration with life. I tried to disregard this statement as perhaps her frustration with the ministry and its, its limitations. And then I started to think about my delivery on Wednesday mornings with those gathered um, who need assistance with obtaining identification. And I acknowledge that I am very direct. And I don't leave a lot of room for discussion. You either have what you need or you don't. And so I began to understand, acknowledge, that perhaps my delivery, although not intentional, could be perceived as being a little rude, perhaps even dismissive. So now on Wednesday mornings, I'm more aware I'm more empathetic to those that I I cannot help. Not as a means of false placation, mind you. But I imagine it takes a lot of courage to show up on a stranger's doorstep and ask for help. In the very least that I can do is to listen well and to authentically be present to those who have the courage to speak truth to me. You're very rude. Not what I was expecting to hear, but the truth that I unknowingly needed to hear. The Syrophoenician woman in today's gospel lesson has everything going against her in life. 
she's a woman, she's a Gentile, and she has no husband. She matters so little, she is given no name. Everything about her makes it simple to dismiss her. Gender, religion, and class. Yet the great thing about this woman is that she is unfazed by everything in life working against her. She is determined to heal her child. What is unique about this woman's story, though, is that a young man from Nazareth, known for his radical thinking and his ability to heal those who are ill, those who are possessed, this young man dismisses her, cruelly even, initially ignoring her pleas for help. It is an uncomfortable story, an exclusive, perhaps racist, Jesus of Nazareth. This cannot be Mary's boy. Mary's boy is inclusive. He eats with outcasts. He loves everybody. It's in the Bible. Read it. It is, though, Mary's boy. And rather than revision his treatment of the Syrophoenician woman, as so many are prone to do, oh, he was just testing her faith. Oh, this is a teachable moment. Oh, he was always going to heal her child. I think not. Why not simply hear the story, the truth of the story, as it is? Perhaps we'll learn something about Jesus and we'll also learn something about ourselves. Despite life working against her, despite the dictates of custom, the Syrophoenician woman does approach Jesus. I imagine her encounter with Jesus was was quite the social spectacle. A Gentile approaching a Jew, a woman no less approaching a man, social taboos being broken left and right. She bows before him and she begs him to heal her child. And we expect our loving and merciful Jesus to say something along the lines of, of course, I will heal your child. In fact, she's already healed. She's playing in the yard. Go home. But that is not what he says to her. Instead, he insults her. Let the children be fed first, referring to the children of Israel. For it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs, referring to her and her child. Jews considered dogs to be scavengers, lowly, unclean creatures. Every reference of dogs I can find in the Bible is negative. So you cannot get around the fact that Jesus has just insulted that he's just dehumanized this woman by comparing her and her child to a dog. Nevertheless, the woman will not be deterred. She will not be dismissed, and she comes back at him powerfully with an analogy, saying to him, Sir, even the dogs under the table 
eat the children's crumbs. You see, she does not object to God's having mercy for the chosen people of Israel. To the contrary, she seizes upon it as the grounds for her own hope. While mercy may begin with the children of Israel, she knows that it cannot end there. She knows this to be true because of the very nature of Israel's merciful God. A mercy that overflows to others in the house, even to the dogs. Jesus answers the woman, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. And the woman's daughter was healed. And just so you know, this is the first and only time Jesus loses a theological argument. Lost it to a woman. Rarely do we think, or oftentimes when we think about Jesus, we think fully God. We think perfect, we think divine, we think miraculous, we think inclusive, we think idealized version of perfection. Rarely, though, do we think human. And he was fully human, as well as fully God. Rarely do we think about the first century Jew born into a world of boundaries and discrimination and poverty and sexism and exclusivity. Cultural realities that would have certainly shaped his will. He was no more immune to the cultural beliefs of his time than we are to the cultural beliefs of of our time. Most of us, most of the time, will permit our personal prejudices, likes and dislikes, our myopic worldview, to rule our responses. We easily and without much thought dismiss those things that are different from us or beyond our boundaries. those things that we are taught as children to disregard as beneath us. I know that I have dismissed the Syrophoenician woman. I know that every one of you has dismissed her too. And so did Jesus. And we're not alone. In today's gospel lesson, the good news here is that Jesus is genuinely human. He's fully human, just like us. And he is susceptible to the human condition, the frailty, the uncertainty, the myopic view. Yet he learns, he develops, he expands his world view. And it does not negate his divinity. He is brave enough to listen and then acknowledge that his view of God initially was too small. The Syrophoenician woman is more than simply rhetorically gifted. She is prophetic. And she's courageous enough to speak prophetic truth. And her truth not only changes her life 
her child's life, but her truth changes Jesus' life in his mission in the world. The truth spoken opened him up to the reality that God's love is big enough, deep enough, strong enough to expand beyond all barriers. We cannot be certain whether or not Jesus enlarges his mission because of his encounter with the Syrophoenician woman, the truth about God she speaks to him. Yet, by the close of Mark's gospel, the good news is for all nations. When we speak truth, we have the potential to change not only our world, but the world around us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>